0: Welcome to Screen Quest, a podcast where a fellowship of film lovers and armchair movie experts and Ellie play film roulette. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Waterman, joined by Mae Finch.
1: Hi, and also my dog.
0: <laughs> I had to give her a shout out, you know, she was uh, like, it's itching to be, to be noticed. I love that about her. And of course, we have Mr. Will Rotondi. Hey, hey, what's going on? For those of you who don't know, Ellie is Mae's dog, who is like the (laughs) cutest, most amazing D&D like uh, audience member and just all around good girl.
1: Please insert picture here.
0: (laughs) Well, now you got to send one. (laughs) On today's episode, we are going to be talking about Roman Holiday, which is our first milk or wine card that we've drawn We will be discussing if this film has indeed aged like milk or wine. We'll also, of course, be drawing a side quest, playing a little game, as is our normal tradition. But first, it's time for a film term of the day. And today, we're going to be talking about the jump cut. So, according to StudioBinder.com... A jump cut is an abrupt transitional device that breaks up a continuous shot. When the shot returns, time has jumped between the two scenes. This can be done to create an artistic effect showcasing discontinuity. So I'll include some uh, video footage of the most famous example that comes to mind for me and where I really learned all about this technique uh, from a film called Run Lola Run, which is an amazing German film. Quite stressful and frantic that uh, uses the jump cut to great effect to kind of punctuate the urgency of the plot of the film, which I won't spoil if you haven't seen it. But you should watch this movie because it's amazing. If you like really creative premises and amazing editing, then this is uh, the movie for you. The reason this uh, term came to mind is because the film that we're talking about today, Roman Holiday, had some very odd uh, jump cuts that I'm assuming were there to smooth over maybe some continuity errors or something, but they stuck out like a sore thumb uh, to me when I watched this movie. So, (laughs) I think they're also there
1: just to like startle the audience into being awake (laughs) if we got a little bit bored. It
0: could be. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like so, I, I know we'll get into this when we talk about um, our our main quest, Roman Holiday. But I wondered too, some of it, if it was because they shot on location, if it was like maybe like a time issue where they're like, no, we can't like reset and like change angles. So like just 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 go. Somebody flubbed a line. I I don't know, but um, I'll I'll definitely be looking that up. But are you familiar with this term uh jump cut? And and like, does it uh, sort of ring a bell for like other films that you've seen? So I. Uh, the best way I can describe it and to to jog um, the sort of the memories of my uh, co-host here is like, so imagine somebody's running at the camera straight on. So as we'll see in this clip from uh, Run, Lola, Run, and there's like breaks where the person sort of just suddenly is, you know, like closer and closer and closer to kind of punctuate like that, like time has sort of skipped not like an immense amount of time, but a noticeable amount of time so that like their motion is sort of uh or position in the camera is drastically different than where it was um in the final or the previous frame. Makes sense?
1: Yeah.
2: It does. And I feel like I've probably seen like examples of this, but it's one of those things where if you're uh trying to think of of a film is sort of, I don't know, it's weird. It's like my mind just goes like.
0: Oh, no, I couldn't tell you yeah. a single film off the top of that. I feel like it is yeah. used in action films a lot. Yeah. Um, like, I would be shocked if it wasn't in, like, a Fast and the Furious, John Wick, that kind of thing. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, like, as far as other examples, like, maybe I'll I'll throw, like, a little super cut in here as well of, like, some other examples of it. Because yeah. I think it's a neat technique. Um, And maybe it's something that stemmed from, like, accidental use. I'd be really curious to find out, like, who pioneered this and, like, when it was mm-hmm. first used to kind of, like... For effect versus like an oopsie in the continuity of the editing. I, I also. I, I, oh, I'm
1: uh, sorry. Please uh, go ahead. <laughs> are
2: you sure? <laughs> All I was I was just gonna say I feel like it would be like something that you would see in like a montage sequence. Um, so that's mm. where my my mind went to. But I'm sorry, man. Go ahead.
1: I was just gonna say I I feel like it's also something that you wouldn't remember and, and like that wouldn't stick out unless it was done in an odd way. Mm -hmm. like in roman holiday
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) well um cool thanks for indulging my uh term of the day i like throwing these out here once in a while since this podcast uh first and foremost is about discovery of film so always get to to learn about a new term or um discuss a uh, term maybe that we're all familiar with with that being said um let's have a side quest Let me switch to our super fancy game board view here. And here we go. It is a throw your popcorn. Always a good time. I feel like we've all gone on this one. So no shortage. This might be the easiest one for me to like (laughs) come up with an example. But
1: have you ever actually thrown your popcorn for one of these though?
0: Um, n- no, like not for one of these, <laughs> but as a child, uh, one time I'm ashamed to say at my local cinema, I threw a gummy bear onto like the, the screen, like I, I say <laughs> child, I mean like literal child.
1: Onto like, the screen? Did it stick? Yep.
0: Yeah. It stuck and it melted and it like was there for like years, like <laughs> years and years. Like, like I put it this way. I was probably like six or seven when I did this, like it was like on a little field trip. And it was like on a dare, and then uh, I, I like so much time elapsed where this gummy bear was in this theater that occasionally, like, I would go on a date, like later on, like, and I'd be like, "Yeah, that's that was me," um, not really to uh-huh. impress anybody, but to be like, "I can't believe this fucking gummy bear is still like stuck and like melted uh-huh. the, the screen." But yeah.
1: Oh my god, that was you leaving your mark on cinema.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's about I guess all I could uh, hope for, really. Uh, <laughs> uh so anyway never throw my popcorn through a gummy bear and uh yeah it was there for a much longer than you would think a gummy bear would be there but
1: i have an unorthodox one
0: go for it we like unorthodox here it's unless unorthodox
1: we don't. because it made me throw my popcorn the first time i watched it and yeah. since then i've been like wait i actually kind of like that they did that i matured mm-hmm. uh <laughs> as a viewer. <laughs> So when I went to see Sorry to bother you for the first time, uh, have you guys seen that yet? No. Okay. Um, it's uh, it's at, at this call center. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield stars in it. Tessa Thompson is like the female lead, and they're in this call Say center. No more. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good movie. I would recommend it. But I was really really into it. Like offbeat comedy, dark comedy, um, like good satire of like. The, the economy and how call centers are run and and all this kind of stuff until it gets to the, like the third act and I won't spoil it but it just it completely jumps the shark like mm. in a way that just completely lost me it just it, it departs from reality and I was pissed off because I felt like I was robbed of like a proper resolution and a proper conclusion to this story and what they'd set up I felt like they just kind of changed the rules on you and it didn't like make much sense to me and then more recently I've been thinking about it and like rewatched it and I was like well I kind of love that they did that because things had gotten to such an absurd point it kind of just makes the most sense just to put down that accelerator and just keep going (laughs) into the absurdity so I've come to appreciate it but at the time I just felt robbed
0: was it because it felt, like, cheap or unearned, or was it just, like, it, like, didn't fit the vibe of the, like, I know, like, you're you gonna skirt spoilers, but.
1: Yeah, um, it was a vibe change for sure, um, but also it just, it, it seemed like a leap, it was a vibe change, and, like, I, I kind of wish that, like, the biting satire stayed biting instead of using, like. Um, allegory. I can't say anywhere not spoiling, but it it leans more okay. on allegory towards the end. <laughs> okay,
0: fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I think an example of a movie that does that really well is Parasite, which we talked yeah. about on this podcast, where there's like a very big tonal shift and like you know a vibe change, but it feels like it's really beautifully constructed and set up for that. So now I got to watch this and as see crazy
1: what crazy as Parasite gets. This is ten times crazier.
0: Yeah, I get yeah. that impression. Just, I can tell, like. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Interesting.
1: What yeah, What definitely... have you guys, like, heard of Sorry to Bother You previously?
0: Mm-hmm. I was sad I missed it at Sunray. It's one of those yeah. movies that I felt like that was my best shot at seeing it, like, was in the cinema, because it seemed like that kind of movie that would have been good, like, with an audience, and um, it's been on the list for a while. How about you all? Have you heard of it?
2: Yeah, just a uh, trailer and I might have actually started to watch it at some point like when I had some free time and then I didn't finish it and then didn't go back to it so I'm just counting it as I haven't seen it yet because I don't think I got very far into the film so it's still on the list but I think that's maybe 20 minutes in a preview <laughs>
1: <laughs> fair well I hope you do watch it and I want to hear if you guys throw your popcorn or not
0: you i will report back i mean tessa thompson's like my my current hollywood like number one crush grace kelly has the uh the historical spot but uh <laughs> but yeah so you said tessa thompson i was like well there we go that's that's going right to the top of the list
1: this this is a tangent but have you seen the twitter thread that uh so tessa is the goat um it's just like culturally, she is the goat. And also like Janelle Monáe wrote a song where that's a lyric. Right. Uh, <laughs> um And so someone did a thread of Tessa Thompson as goats on Twitter.
0: <laughs> oh, God, that's amazing.
1: It's fantastic. Uh, I will send it to you later. Please, please do. <laughs> Love
0: that. Is one of the goats the screaming goat?
1: I'm sure. I haven't looked at it in a while, but I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Fabulous. Well, um, that being said, (laughs) let's (laughs) transition to our movie of the show, which is, of course, Roman Holiday. Since this is a May pick, May will guide us through the discussion. So take it away.
1: You get to hear more of my voice, which I hate, as most people do. (laughs) That's not true (laughs) at all. Oh, you of mean their I own they, voices. Oh, okay. I was gonna
0: say they don't hate like, come on now. How what, what data are you pulling for that? Like, I, I doubt that very heavily, but yes, that is, it attracts. Most people hate to hear their own voice. Luckily, yeah. you don't have to edit the podcast. I do, so talk away.
1: Thanks, Chris. Okay. <laughs> Roman holiday is a 1953 rom-com starring Gregory Peck and Audrey Hepburn the icon. It's directed by William Wyler and it is a tale of a bored and sheltered princess who escapes her guardians and falls in love with an American newsman in Rome. I uh, had not seen this film in I want to say like almost 10 years so I was like definitely surprised by certain parts that I'd completely forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm curious, what were your first impressions since neither of you had seen this before?
0: Yeah. So, um, I'll say that, um, while watching it for, um, a pretty significant amount of time. I was like, man, it's just, it's just not doing it for me in the way that I thought it was going to. And then like, as we got towards the back half of the film, I really started to warm to it. And then. Once I had some time removed from it, there's so many things that I love about this film. Um, namely the fact that like it's not as rom-commy as I thought it was gonna be. Uh, it does not have a conventional ending whatsoever. And I think there's just so many bits of like sweetness to it and really just smart ways that it handles. Um, things like, you know, responsibility and um, like human decency that I really just love. So I I warmed on this movie a lot from like going like, uh, uh, this is a bit on the slow side and it's taken a while to get up and going. Um, I think it's a fabulous movie, um, really and truly. I think it you got to meet it halfway a little bit and do a little bit of thinking. Um, it's much more um, intellectual and, and complicated than um i think most people would uh believe given that premise that you just sort of spelled out and the fact that it's a romantic <laughs> comedy so uh yeah i mean this is like i think um it was masterful is my final take on it. i really liked it
1: <laughs> well that that is not what i was expecting to hear from you and i'm delighted um it also exceeded my expectations on a rewatch for sure um what do you think will
2: i actually really liked it i didn't mind the fact that it was a slower pace i was pleasantly surprised at the ending um just for the sake that it was unconventional and it wasn't they didn't try and we'll talk more about it but they didn't try to make it tropey and what you think is you think is going to happen because you're like well it's you know it's audrey heifer and it's gregory Peck. you know you you have expectations already going into this and then it's like no we're not going to do that and i was like Oh, very grown up of you <laughs> i appreciate this there were just certain moments in the film that i thought this was really pleasant not just because it it tried to be you know a little it tried to be lighthearted and goofy and some parts were a little less so um but overall i don't know i was just pleasantly surprised um and having no expectation also having watched it while taking a trip was nice too because by the end of it i was like yeah i get the feeling you guys have right now you don't really want the holiday to end and i don't really want to go back to the real world either so (laughs) we're all kind of in the same car together but uh but yeah it was very pleasant
1: oh well i'm glad you both enjoyed it i will say i I liked it a lot more this watch than I thought I would. It's really funny having watched this last when I was like a romantic teenager because I was pissed off at the ending, and <laughs> I was like but but why, why why can't they get their fairy tale ending? Why you know she's a princess, she should be her prince and all that garbage um but <laughs> I really appreciate that they didn't now, which is funny. And yeah, it's very smart. I like how layered it is because you have this surface level, very fantastical, irrational plot. Right. But there's a lot of emotional depth and heart to it that I think is what kept me watching even during some of the slower parts. Um, I think what I'd like to do for this one is just kind of go scene by scene as I'm recapping the plot and then chat how chat about those scenes, if that works for you guys. Yeah, cool. So uh, I remember feeling like kind of a sinking feeling watching this opening because I didn't remember it opening this way. And the like, meet cute as like drunk slash drugged girl meets sober man who takes her home is a horrible trope and I hate it. And so I, I was terrified when this started and then relieved when... You know, uh, Joe Bradley, Gregory Peck's character, like handled it very maturely, was clearly not into the fact that she is inebriated. In fact, was very pissed off at that fact and wanted to get rid of her, if anything. And um, yeah, I thought it was just kind of a more unique, mature twist on that kind of a me cute. It still gave me a lot of anxiety at first, though. How'd you feel about it, uh, Will?
2: I'd have to agree. I was actually very pleasantly surprised that he was as, like, he was as uncomfortable by a lot of the comments that uh, Princess Anne slash, uh, excuse me, slash um, Anya, when she finally gives her fake name, uh, is, like, when she's drugged and Just wants to keep laying outside, you know, on the bench. And he's like, you need to go where the cops are going to get you. And then it's the, all right, well, I'll get you a taxi. And then she's like, I can't just leave you here. Maybe I'll try and leave you with the taxi driver, you know, but that seems kind of weird, too. And he's not cool with it either. It's like everybody is pleasantly, like, not okay with, like, (laughs) being left with her character. (laughs) Um, The only thing I thought was, why doesn't somebody just take her to the hospital? I, I mean, obviously, we'd have no plot at that point, but I was pleasantly surprised <laughs> that when he got her back to his place, he was not cool with the fact that she asked him to help undress her that he I mean, he kind of started for like a moment, like a split second. And then he was like, you can handle the rest. I'm good. You know, and I'm like, thank you. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you're not OK with that, you know, and so it was just it was it was very pleasant that. There were certain moments that for the comedy or just for the, you know, that it was supposed to be funny and he was supposed to be uncomfortable and he was uncomfortable by it, That it was, you know, it was nice with that. And then when he's trying to like get her to get into the couch as opposed to the bed, which he should have known she was going to take anyway. But, you know, it's yeah, I think the whole thing just in and of itself, which is weird that they drugged her to begin with and didn't like have somebody just keep an eye on her. But again, no plot. So, I'll leave it at that. But those are my thoughts regarding that whole exchange.
1: Uh, yeah. Oh God. Ellie is also upset that they drugged her. Um.
2: <laughs> I'm sure she doesn't like drugs either.
1: <laughs> she really does it. Uh. <laughs>
2: Don't poke me. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Uh, but yeah, no. To to make it clear to anyone who hasn't seen the film. Basically, she goes into, quote unquote, hysterics because she's just fed up with the job she has to do. She's very young. She acts like she's maybe 17, 18, maybe young 20s and just sheltered. But she's a young princess um, and hates all the duty that has been on her shoulders and just wants to get away from it and starts uh, kind of throwing a tantrum. And so the doctor comes in and just sedates her. And before it kicks in, she decides to run away. And by the time it has kicked in, she's on this lonely bench in the middle of Rome uh, where Joe Bradley finds her.
0: Uh, So, yeah, I'm, you know, accustomed to a lot of Hitchcock films. And there's two scenes that play out very differently. One in Notorious, (laughs) where Cary Grant takes her out for a drive, which is like the most irresponsible thing. And then there's uh Scotty in Vertigo, where he he uh has no problem undressing her. <laughs> and like the implications are wild in that movie where she gets up and she's naked and her clothes are drying by the fire, and it's like, yeah, what happened there, buddy? So yeah. uh also was pleasantly surprised that it was uh a more um respectful, lighthearted um scene as well. Um I uh, yeah I I think it's played for for laughs a little bit that he's sort of saddled with this responsibility, and um you know s- something that's kind of an annoyance to him very soon will become his meal ticket or so he thinks anyway, um, given the financial problems that he's having. Um, uh, it's also kind of um, adorable to see like you know like the signs of the times where um the sort of perceptions of having like a woman in your apartment even though he's a grown man you know like it kind of pays off a little bit later with like the housekeeper whoever that's supposed to be i wasn't quite clear if that's i'm assuming that it was a housekeeper but Mm -hmm. and his landlord and things like that um (laughs) sidebar i love watching him like patrol like in a cartoon where he's got like the the rifle like in his arm and he's just pacing back and forth um was a yeah, good no, bit. It, it was a good bit. Uh, but no, it, it worked for me. I thought it was um it was a nice little catalyst. Um and uh surprisingly less combative than I feel like a lot of like like you think to like singing in the rain, where a lot of these sort of meet cutes, like the the two principles are are a good bit more combative than um than we see here, which was kind of refreshing as well. So
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. They're very lukewarm at first. <laughs> yeah, which
0: I mean, understandable. Right? Yeah, <laughs> where the hell am I? Where? How did I get here? Who the fuck are you? Like, <laughs> all it's, good it's, questions. It's
1: way more grounded. Again, for having ridiculous plot premise, so I love that. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk about uh, that quick switch where Joe Bradley is running into work late tries to convince his boss that he definitely was at that uh, press interview with the princess. Uh, Fails because obviously she wasn't there. Um, And upon seeing a picture of her, realizes that that's the lady back in his apartment and decides to pitch a much more involved, juicy interview that he's going to work on getting from her. Um, I feel like this made me very quickly hate him. But I'm curious to see (laughs) how you guys felt about that scene.
0: Yeah, I didn't think it was going to have like the payoff that it did, because I feel like so much of what makes the ending to this film so sweet is what his initial plan is. And uh, I I just kind of assumed it was going to be, oh, this is how you put these two people together. Again, not knowing that it was going to buck the formula, so to speak, I was like, well, this will be the you know, uh, end of the second act going into the third act confrontation. She's going to find out the true motives. They split up, then they're going to reconcile. So, um, I thought it was very generic and sort of like, eh. And then of course how it all plays out, um, is wonderful. So that's, that's my take on it.
2: I kind of felt the same way. Um, I was expecting the same sort of, you know, reveal, to happen later for the sake of conflict and that didn't happen. Um, so the setup in and of itself, I guess, was necessary for the sake of the plot um, and just to have him try to be smooth with his boss and try to, you know, demonstrate his his belief that he is very smooth, although it's not always the case. And clearly he's not good with money because he keeps giving it away and then also like trying to make it back and then just giving more away.
1: Um, yeah, and... <laughs> He's making these huge bets with his boss, like
0: <laughs> sucks at poker too, we see. like, Yeah. yeah. Although he does fold, I guess, like, you know, at the end. But
1: because <laughs> he's got yeah. no money, Chris.
0: <laughs> hey, well, he's like, Oh, it's my last thousand. I was like, that's cool. And then he's like, Oh, it's a buck fifteen. I was like, Yeah, bro. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Yeah, it depends on where you are in the
2: world as to how much money you've got. <laughs> yeah. Well, then like he talks about like I'm gonna get you know, I'm gonna go back to the united states and get a real job as a reporter and you'll see and i'm like dude not with the way you keep spending cash <laughs> like damn you would have been there already if you hadn't been like giving it all away or gambling it all away but i digress but yeah so that was that was pretty much on par with what chris was saying
1: yeah i just i kept laughing at that scene where he's trying to like pull it over on his boss and just get, the suspense builds as he just commits more and more to the lie it just i thought i thought that was great i'm a sucker for that kind of thing but yeah so he goes back to princess anne uh calls up his friend irving who's a photographer so he can come and take pictures <laughs> and um goes from there to kind of plan this grand day together um i think irving finally catches up to them at this lunch uh place right which leads to another rather slapstick scene where um Anne and Joe are lying to one another about who they are and what they do. Uh, I think Joe claimed he did like pharmaceutical or chemistry sales or something like that. And it was like
2: fertilizer or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: And Anne, Anne claimed she was just like a, a student who had run away. Mm-hmm. And uh, when Irving comes in, he is uh, not aware of this and keeps uh, spilling the beans (laughs) while joe spills other things on him um that is a recurring gag in the film uh i don't know how you guys felt about it but it got a little bit old for me towards the end
2: yeah i just felt bad for him i'm like why is he your friend (laughs) (laughs) like he just needs to go take photographs and stay out of joe's business because joe is gonna do him bad like joe's not gonna pay him (laughs) right i don't care what joe tells you he's not gonna pay you and you're gonna have to buy a new suit like every time you hang out like it just got obnoxious to me where it was like you can't just say i need to talk to you for like 30 seconds let's just you know he's got to do this whole slapstick thing that was the only part of this film that felt so out of place and obnoxious and i just felt like he got done wrong by joe because of that every he tried to actually
0: be a really nice guy and help joe out and joe just like takes him for granted way too much Absolutely. It's kind of a great running gag, like when it happens again. <laughs> and Chris he is even all about tried, it. He <laughs> it like, I mean, you know, for for physical comedy sake, and uh, a little bit thick headed too. When he's like, "Yeah, we talked about that." Like other words, like I'm I'm not just like <laughs> tripping you over. Like just shut the fuck up already, like, dude! Like <laughs> there was a reason I did this before. Um, yeah, I'm a sucker for for uh, for good physical comedy and. I think the best sort of like stunt, for lack of a better word, I think is when he is like leaning back in his chair and he like, just like <laughs> tips it over <laughs> at the the little bistro <laughs> or whatever.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Poor Irving, poor Irving, uh, but he does take really good photos. We see them go on many different adventures in Rome. Um, I'm not going to recap all of them, but if you guys have a favorite you want to talk about, um, I would love to hear it of their little adventures. Uh, before they get to that dance at the end of the night, I like to
2: see where they. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Chris.
0: No, no, what no, no, no. Time? Go ahead, go ahead, man. No, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pondering. You're good. I was.
2: I can't remember the name of what the sculpture was, or like the giant head out of stone. What was the,
0: the mouth was of like truth to... or something like that? Right.
2: Yeah, it was like you were. Tem- you had to put your hand, or if you wanted to put your hand in there, it was like if you're a liar, you'll get get bit or or you'll lose your hand. Right. It was like, if you, if you tell a lie, you put your hand in there, you'll lose your hand. And so like both Joe and Anne are kind of like, we're both lying to each other. Do I do it? And then, you know, Joe sticks his hand in there and then just like spooks her by pretending to have it bit or something. And (laughs) I don't know. I just found that to be very play because you knew, you knew what was probably going to happen. So part of it was like the expectation of getting that payout payout, or pay off. And I don't know, just the way they all reacted, I thought was very charming. And so I got what I wanted
0: out of it. And I have no regrets of wanting that. So <laughs> just like that scene.
1: I thought it was endearing.
0: The Vespa and like the subsequent like speeding ticket court scene, just because it's such a novel thing for her to like, maybe be in trouble that she's not even worried about it. Really, per se. Um, Just thought it was it was cute and Audrey Hepburn really sells the shit out of like the elation in the, um, I don't know, um, invigorating feeling that she has. Like there's just like such a sense of a freedom on her face. And, um, it's, it's great. I, I think, I mean, it's just, it's, I, I can see probably, I don't know who she was up against, why she would have won an Academy award, you know, for this movie, but, um, there, there's just a sense of pure joy. And, um, yeah the subsequent like i don't know trial or whatever you would call that is uh is also quite cute
2: i'm sorry to interject i just wanted to say i am not surprised that for somebody that likes the slapstick that that was going to be your choice for these aggrieved people in rome who have their shit destroyed (laughs) by some crazy lady on a vespa and now that's like that's the that's the choice so i just wanted to throw that out there (laughs) (laughs) i'm so, sorry man. please continue <laughs> uh well you're
1: gonna look down on me now but I, ah! <laughs> I kind of i kind of agree with chris but specifically it's the after the court scene it's very brief but it's when yep. they're leaving and they think they're fully out of the court and they just start snickering and kind of like <laughs> laughing about it and then they see there's one more guard and they just immediately straighten up And then as soon as they're actually out of the courthouse, they start like sniggering (laughs) and and giggling again. Because I don't know, it just like shows that they're like a team now, you know, little little band of of misfits and mischief.
2: (laughs) Troublemakers. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That was sweet to me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, very, very sweet.
1: But yeah they have a a full day in Rome um are being taking photos, and I think it's the same night that Joe's like um decides to go uh oh, I missed the the haircut scene. forget mm-hmm. where in the chronology that is, but yeah uh Princess Anne, when she first like leaves Joe to kind of like head out on her own after you know awaking from her long slumber as <laughs> a sleeping beauty uh <laughs> Lots of Disney princess tropes. There's a little bit of every Disney princess in Princess Anne, and I like that too. Yeah. But um, mm-hmm. she goes to get her hair cut, and she gets a pretty radical change from her long locks to a cute uh, bob. I would, I would call it a bob. Um, and the hairdresser invites her to a party that evening, and uh, she and Joe go there after their day of adventures, and that is where Menacing Men in Suits starts to surround them and uh, one of them cuts in to dance with her and then whispers something very menacing to her. I think it's just her name but she is shocked and uh, recoils and uh, Joe starts punching people like, like James Bond or something.
0: Now, that whole scene was like straight out of Indiana Jones, dude. Like, <laughs> you can throw some John Williams like music over <laughs> that and it is very much like you know, bum, Indy bum, and Marion in the in the market, just everyone throwing right hooks and left crosses and yeah. Uh
1: it's it's really great. I love that scene too. And uh Joe manages to get her away from them and they both tumble into like a river or a lake or something that the party happened to be happening right next to, cause plot and uh <laughs> they swim to safety and that's kind of where like all the romantic tension i have been building up finally releases and they have a lovely little kiss so i loved the fight scene and i also loved that they kind of like earned that little piece of romance but what do you guys think yeah
0: it's cool lots of lots of uh you know action stunt work some comedy with the guitar which leads to a great photo and her uh commemorative album i'm sure we'll get to you <laughs> bashing the, the bodyguard over and um, you know I think it's it's important too to like her character development because it shows that she initially sort of rebuffs like the attempts to bring her back into the fold so to speak and yeah. she has to make that decision on her own for her own reasons not just because they, they want her back um, and it, it's nice to see Joe kind of like I I, mean, I I don't know if he really fully understands who these people are, but you got to imagine the sheer number of people that are trying to like, he probably understands. So maybe the romantic in me believes that he wants to like try to fight on her behalf to like give her what she wants and let her make that choice on her own. So if that's not what she wants then, so it's a nice thought too. About ready
2: to start an international incident up on this boat trip. <laughs> 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 when you see these like I don't know, these men in black for better term, like, you know, Big Willie style is coming down. He's got they're gonna t- like try and take her off the boat. I don't know. I just thought it was funny that it was like then the Italian police wanna get involved and stop them. And then it's just like an all-out brawl. I did like that one of the guys in black was like kind of getting into the music though. He was having a good time for like a minute. And then his boss <laughs> or like his buddy was just like, no, you know, like we gotta, we're here with a mission, man, you know, like focus. <laughs> and he gets like super serious and starts like eyeing everybody, you know? And so that was, uh, I really, I did. I liked it. I thought the whole scene was charming. I I thought it was funny when Irving was telling Ann to like take another swing with the guitar because he missed the first shot. And he's like, no, 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 do it again, do it again. You know, like, and then it gets like the the best shot out of it and then uh yeah when they when they swim to shore when joe and ann swim to shore and they have that moment together i was like yep yeah, i could i could go with that and so that was the payoff for that i feel like was also earned and was in keeping with sort of where we saw it going we just you know it was just a question of what moment it was going to be and so, yeah, I think, you know, after all the after all the excitement of, of escaping a bunch of people <laughs> trying to capture you, it's like every action movie ever. Of course, there's going to be like, you know, sexual tension that's just like right here in your face. So <laughs> why not just make out, you know? Release yeah, I success. mean,
1: yeah. and also <laughs> just like any doubts that she was having about his intentions. I'm pretty sure like seeing him beat up a bunch of dudes probably. Yeah. Uh exactly. made her feel feel a bit safer and more comfortable. Um, but yeah, I like that it was earned. I like that it wasn't her just like because at the start of the movie, she's also trying to like kind of seduce him, but in a I've only seen this done in movies, naive way. And mm-hmm. so it was it was nice for them to finally come to it as like a in a in a more mature moment. <laughs> yeah. do we ever actually know
2: like (laughs) it is it's true do we ever actually know like what the age difference is supposed to be i know you mentioned she was sort of like younger at the beginning but i don't know if i ever really caught like or if we knew for the sake of of the story how what the age difference might be between them
1: i don't think we do
0: okay i can tell you the um so he gregory peck would have been mm, late 30s it looks like i'm terrible at math so i can't give you the exact but late 30s
1: and i know audrey hepburn was in her 20s then
0: okay not unusual though you you see that a lot in in this era of like you know movies it wasn't super egregious you know but yeah uh
1: even today i think there's usually like a like a 10 plus year age gap between male and female leads in most movies
2: as long as it's not like Roger Moore in the last James Bond movie he ever did, I mean, I think we're
0: okay. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> James Bond. You know, it's a great, a great franchise, but historically, like uh, at least like you know, for like the, the so-called classic era, not really. um Oh, what's the word? Uh, progressive <laughs> the views <laughs> of like <laughs> of
1: women. In fact, I might call it regressive.
0: Yep. Maybe just, just
2: oh a... dude i watched casino royale over the weekend and man i i got brought back to some other stuff that i was like damn i forgot <laughs> this is like when uh, they the... turned james bond into a bully <laughs> my man i, uh, for, I oh, forgot daniel his, craig uh... yeah, yeah and i was like i don't remember him being this like i remember he was rough but i don't remember him just being this dark and rough and i was like oh yeah this was back in like the you know the early 2000s and i'm like that was yeah. not even that
0: bad compared to something like say like uh a... I mean, Doctor No or Goldfinger. There's, there's like, some sequences where it's like, I'm like, I don't know how much consent's happening here. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, none. genuinely. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, no, you're right. There's some rough. Are J- there's some rough Sean Connery moments in those movies where you're like, nah, no? She said no. No means nobody.
0: Then the title mate, Doctor No. Anyway, <laughs> see. <laughs> whole character named after it he's still no what did he do what did he do
1: (laughs) and on that note uh pulling it back yeah
2: stepping back to the story to the much more wholesome tale that we were watching uh
1: much more wholesome uh as consensual (laughs) as you can be with two people with hidden identities
0: (laughs) They both Does that cancel out? Is that how that works?
1: Like...
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what like the, the chemistry is. You know, that is that is
1: the movie logic. I think honestly, it's just that eh, they're both lying. It's fine. Yeah. And like I don't know, it's it is a uh, cute, fun, flirty holiday dalliance. Like, who needs rules? <laughs> yeah. Um, when in Rome,
0: literally, right? Oh. Okay. Hey! <laughs> <laughs>
1: um yeah so they they go back to joe's and um i think it's like the next day she decides to leave this is where i was getting a little fuzzy on the sequence of events um but yeah she basically hears like a radio broadcast conveying that like her her country is very concerned about the health of princess anne because the cover story is that she's been sick for days and she realizes that she actually does want to, or at least feels like she has to fulfill her duties as a princess, and decides to go back. Uh, of course, she just tells Joe that she has to go back to school and tells tells him where to drop her off, and uh, you know be- begs him not to like see where she's actually going. And it seemed like he respected that by and large, even though of course he already knows. Yeah. Um, and she leaves and of course we know that's not the last time they see each other because um, joe has a job to do in terms of interviewing her and uh he goes back to i think it was mr hennessy was the like publication owner goes back to mr hennessy who is pressuring him for that story and is, like convinced that he definitely has it and it's gotten rumors and uh, Irving's even there with, with the photos, and that's where we get <laughs> some more slapstick moments <laughs> where he's trying to show Mr. Hennessy the photos, and Joe keeps tripping him because Joe has decided that he actually doesn't want to publish a story. He tells Irving that there is no story after Mr. Hennessy leaves, and um, the movie ends by them going to her delayed kind of press conference. Um, them looking at each other actually as themselves for the first time and Irving kind of covertly handling handing her the photos as a travel album and um, her and Joe explain like exchange uh, knowing looks and pleasantries and that's kind of it they never acknowledge what happened and she retreats Joe lingers in the chamber and then final shot is him just walking out of the, the palace grounds so definitely not the ending that uh, one would expect from a, a rom-com like this but I loved it especially that long ending shot with him just kind of not in a necessarily sad way just kind of a melancholy way just just slowly walking away um what'd you guys think?
0: I thought it was pure perfection um <laughs> I think, like, the facial acting, there's just some micro gestures of, like, nods or, like, shaking up. Just to let um, her know, like, don't worry. Like, this is not, like, blackmail. It's not going to be. There's nothing for you to worry about. And, like, like, the trust that they've sort of built up. And the gesture of taking something that was going to be almost like a muckraking like piece and like turning it into like a really sweet, like here's a little scrapbook of like this perfect day that we had together. And it's for your eyes only. It's just fantastic. I guess that payoff of like um, using a plot device that keeps the two of them together and really doing something smart with it and making like a strong emotional um, connection. But I just love where he's sort of the last man standing up at that little barrier separating the throne and it's just a beat too long you know where he's he's there it's that last look that you i don't know give a a apartment or home that you're moving out of or like something i just man it worked so well for me i loved it
2: i'd have to agree with chris on those um i think that it was really pleasant to find like the conflict wasn't that they find out about each other having lied in the moment where she's thinking about going back to the palace, it's that she just feels like she needs to go back. And so they don't have the reveal there. And there's no, you know, the very sort of expected trope that we see so much in later, you know, romantic comedies where somebody, you know, somebody finds out, Oh, you've been lying to me about this. Well, I hate you now. Kind of a thing, you know, and and, and then to have the resolution later, like Chris was talking about earlier. And so it was nice to have, you know, that make logical sense for why she goes back and then for him to understandably have reservations about going ahead with the story he wanted to do and then to have that very sweet moment where they both recognize what they've been doing and the facial expressions like chris mentioned and then that she's not necessarily she doesn't look like she's off put by it she doesn't take offense to it having had happen because you know everybody was sort of pretending but also having such a great time together and to get those photos and not to be because part of me thought, oh, she'll, you know, when she realizes that all the all of her, those moments where he's messing with that cigar lighter, he's really, or the cigarette lighter, that he's really taking photos of her. And then, you know, that it's going to be, that'll be something that she gets frustrated about or feels like, you know. And regardless of where you may lie on the idea of somebody secretly taking photos of somebody else without their consent is definitely an item to talk about. Um, It was pleasantly surprising that that was not the response. It was the, here, I'm sharing these with you, you know, these are yours. And then that it was looked at as um, something to remember the experience by rather than to feel like somebody was taken advantage of. And so that was also very pleasantly surprising. And then just to have it end. And I thought, yeah, yeah. This this feels more grown up and logical to me than a lot of the other sorts of, you know, overly dramatic. uh, Romantic comedies or, you know, dramas or whatever you might see. And so I was just like, yeah, this this has a oddly enough, even though they don't end up together for the sake of what we see in the film, this felt like the right ending. And it just it still felt good coming out of it. So it's my takeaway from that.
1: Yeah, I think I think mature is a great word for this because it's two people that recognize that this is a per- perfect day because neither of them are being the people they have to be almost all the time. And that it's not the kind of thing that they could feasibly extend. Like they have to go back to reality and reality is not compatible with each other. I mean, she's this rich princess and he's an expat. Uh, with money issues <laughs> and um, yeah trying to make that work would be a nightmare she'd have to reveal that uh, she'd run away instead of actually being sick he'd probably get in trouble with his newspaper it's it's a lot and I I like that this movie is making a great argument for just like having the perfect day with someone and leaving it at that and you know, carrying those memories as photos. I think that's, that's really nice. And um, it was cool to see Princess Anne mature a bit in terms of, like, uh, how she treats her work, but also how she approaches love. And also to see Joe grow up a bit in terms of seeing something, like, more valuable than money, even if it's as, as fleeting as money has been for him.
0: I also loved her assertiveness, like with the staff, um, when she has the little soliloquy at the end mm-hmm. where she's like, Listen, like I know I have a fucking duty to perform. That's why I'm here. That's the only reason I'm here. Um, so go ahead and bye-bye. Like, let me like leave me be and like I don't need you to like wait and explain. And I think it." they sort of understand and come to terms with like oh like she it's clicked for her she understands and like we don't need to like fret about her every second of the day um i love that that was a good little moment no milk and crackers (laughs) get your (laughs) ass out of my room you too yeah like it was good
1: yeah because they were they were not just babying her before but they also were like punishing her like a child too like at the station and I think this is the only way she could come back after an episode like that. Like I I hope that wasn't a regular thing they did with her, but um it's it's good she asserted herself as an independent person. So that's that's the end of the film. Um I'd love to talk about like cinematography uh a bit since we did discuss uh <laughs> those jump cuts um we've alluded to the fact that they're just kind of odd but Chris since this was your idea to talk about in the first place would you like to kind of expound on that first <laughs>
0: um I I don't have a whole lot to offer just because I'm not sure why like I said I think it might have been continuity errors or like maybe just flubbed lines or something where they kept the cameras rolling um, I will offer on the cinematography um, aspect that I love, and they make a big deal about it in the opening credits that this was filmed all on location
1: uh-huh. in
0: Rome. Um, it added a romanticism to it, an authenticity. Like if they'd just been standing in front of, like, a you know, at the time would have been a blue screen or like a projector, like, background. I don't know that it would have worked. Like, it's just nice to see them move through the spaces, like, in real time. And um, it made the film feel really European to me. Like, and when I say European, I mean, like, I'm thinking, like, Italian neorealism and, like, you know, French New Wave. Like, it, like it, it had that, which is very unique to a Hollywood film, right, of the 1950s. Like, this is yeah. just not something that Hollywood did. And I think that really elevated it and set it apart from a lot of its um, contemporaries, like especially for a romantic comedy. Um, but I really like that and I think that um aside from that, like having a lot of different like sets that were outdoors was quite refreshing. So whoever did um the cinematography like shout out i mean to just uh being able to shoot and what i'm assuming was probably very very bright sunlight at times and and making that work really well and even some of those like evening party shots like all of that feeling very natural and um not being distracting like it's easy to take for granted like nowadays like but like you compare this like with some like movies that would have been on sound stages and there's a pretty noticeable difference i i've like or at least the stuff that I picked up on watching it. So I really like that.
1: Those are really good points.
0: I'm going to have
2: to go with continuity issues because uh, <laughs> the scene that I've got behind me, this little, clo- oh, sorry, wrong scene, my continuity. Can I point? Uh, this little clock <laughs> up here, if you're watching the YouTube video, does change time a couple of times during the that little exchange that they've got. Because I part of me was wondering, like, what time exactly is it? that she leaves after and because they had talked a little bit about how late it was and when her interview was gonna be. And so then when they get out into like the plaza area and they're you know they're um chatting and she's had gelato uh and that clock tower for me man was I don't know it, it was O C D in me. I'm just like watching it to see if it's gonna change or not and it did. So I'm gonna have to go with continuity for you, Chris. Um I'm trying to remember the two You guys will have to remind me because I vaguely remember at least one moment. You said there were a couple. And so it was like, was it Joe was moving somewhere. And then it was like, he jumped a little bit forward somewhere. I'm trying to remember where it was. Was he walking up stairs or something? Or was he, what were were the two scenes you noticed?
1: The ones Uh, I noticed were all like pretty big outside crowd scenes. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously one of the main characters was in them but um i think it's most noticeable just because the crowd had moved a lot
2: mm, okay i probably blinked or something and then it was like i didn't catch it but yeah mm. i felt like there was one where it was just Joe, because i feel like i know vaguely i'm trying to remember where, where it was but yeah okay i got gotcha. you i'll have to go back and watch it again it's just what it comes down to
1: there we go
2: <laughs> is that the wait hold on conspiring. is that
1: clock is that clock tower you throw your popcorn <laughs>
2: Yeah. i just can't i can't deal with it no, no, i think actually truthfully for me for shooting on location um i think i can overlook the fact that your clock, the clock may change uh position several times in the same shot so i
1: didn't mean to speak oh. over you chris what were you saying
0: <laughs> oh no it, it happens from time to time like we're pretty good about it on this podcast you know it's just inevitable especially like remotely it's hard i think but uh now the weather was conspiring against me a little bit like there was a nice like thunderstorm with like the rain pelting against my my windows and i was watching this and i was really cozy and i was like the first one i saw it's like no i just like am i like a little drowsy like what and i I actually rewound it to to make sure that like i my eyes weren't playing tricks on me and then i was like okay cool it's not not (laughs) rewound (laughs) rewound yeah I'm sorry, I just find it funny. <laughs> yeah, no,
1: you're good. You're I know good. exactly
2: what you mean, and I'm a hundred percent for that word, but <laughs> I don't know.
0: Rewinded it. I don't know. It just sounds weird. I don't know, but
2: yeah. I went I went back on my streaming by about 30 seconds. Yeah, there's nothing that really we were... I don't know what term back. you would use to fill... yeah, yeah. I clicked back. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I clicked the arrow that points to the left and <laughs>
2: i pulled a dog brown I but i didn't i didn't swipe i just clicked <laughs> to be clear nice
1: oh god yeah for uh for cinematography i <laughs> enjoyed the slow pace and all the like establishing shots of the city i feel like that's the, that's what contributed to it feeling more european and more like you really were in rome mm-hmm. um I know it definitely got like slow, slow at certain times, but I appreciated the lingering shots. I have to give another shout out just to that final shot of Joe lingering and then walking away. Because as much as I loved that ending, I could not help but watch over his shoulder looking to see if she came back out the whole time oh, yeah. he was walking. Um, yeah. So that was beautiful. We're,
0: we're primed for that, right? Like right? to go, like there's gonna <laughs> she's gonna come dashing around the corner and leap the stanchions and yeah. <laughs>
2: or just say something because i agree i was i was waiting for it too and it's you know you're angled for it and everybody mm-hmm. else has left the room you know all the report everybody else left it's just quiet so yeah that was beautiful it was great and just like the you know from having it the low angle shot to just see how huge everything feels in that room too was great you
1: guys have any uh, last thoughts
0: no, you should just see this movie. Like audience members, <laughs> like if you don't watch these like in real time with us, and if you're considering skipping this, um, don't like seriously. It 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 is fabulous. It will subvert your expectations, and um, I, I think it's it's timeless. I know it's milk or wine. I don't know if you're going to do this, but this is wine all day for me, baby. This is a fine vintage right here. So. <laughs> I figured
1: that would be unanimous. But yes, to make it formal, I also vote wine.
2: I um, I apologize that I thought Cary Grant was in this film. <laughs> 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 I think that was what I, I threw out there in our last podcast where I was like, oh, it's Audrey Hepburn and Cary Grant, you know. And so I apologize to the other Cary Grant, <laughs> Gregory Peck. <laughs> To be fair, Um, I
1: agreed with you because I also thought that and I've seen it.
2: (laughs) Uh, 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 The other Cary Grant. Yeah, no, I can't. Gregory Peck's awesome. So um, apologies for that. But no, I I think it's a great film. I think you should see it. I think it will be pleasantly surprising. Um, If we haven't already surprised you enough, then experience it for yourself. But I think it is. I think it's great.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, This is not a movie that like. Spoilers will make a huge difference for, in my opinion. Like, it's nice to have certain things be suspenseful, but I would rewatch this in a heartbeat again. Do you guys want to play a game?
2: Yeah, jump cut. <laughs> 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 yes, we do. Please, please make that happen in the edit screen. <laughs> he does jump cuts all the time when we flood stuff, but they just like edited because there's a oh, gap space. True. Yeah, it's true. Yeah.
1: I hadn't thought of it that way. All right. Shout it. out to Ben Kepner again for this game. Pitch Storm. It's amazing. Um I am thinking one round probably. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One round. Uh who wants to go first?
0: Oh, a coin if we volunteer is trivia. There we go. But if there we can we go. flip a coin too. <laughs> no, go for it, buddy. <laughs>
1: All right. So a uh, quick recap of this game. I have cards um, that say plot, cards that say character. And I will give the boys a choice of either plot or character. They'll have a few options to choose from. And then we'll get the other one on the spot. And have 60 seconds to pitch it to me as a movie idea. And I will interrupt them with an additional note from one of these cards. Uh, which will make it even more chaotic. And Will, would you like to choose a plot or character?
2: Mm, I would like to choose a character.
1: Alright. So you have three choices. They are... <laughs> Topical. The world's first sentient AI. <laughs> the US president. Or a young politician with dreams of saving the world.
2: Oh. Uh, AI.
1: all right i had a feeling feeling the real AIs that
2: may uh analyze and codify everything from our podcast please don't hold this against me when we have the machine uprising all right
1: (laughs) it's not negative either this card just says the world's first sentient ai that's true (laughs) so i'm just gonna be be like
2: yeah i'll be really nice to it
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, I'm going to pull your plot card now. When I finish reading it, you should just start pitching, and I will start your timer.
2: Just start rambling. Okay. Are you
1: ready? Okay. The world's first sentient AI leads a deadly rescue mission on Mount Everest. And go.
2: Okay, so in the future... Farther than what we are right now, and AI have developed even further. We're gonna have um there's gonna be conflict, it's gonna be kind of like Terminator a little bit. Um, but you know, slightly different because we can't be completely the same as everything else. And so there's gonna be one AI that's being held hostage on Mount Rushmore because obviously, symbolic for the United States, that's where they're gonna have like some humans that are holding out. And this one AI hold is on, very important on, on, to the oh, Okay. okay. Yep, yep, yep.
1: um uh so what <laughs> what if we set this during medieval times instead
2: <laughs> even better so terminator style they go back in time because they want to try and destroy humanity in the past <laughs> <And> so <laughs> somehow mount rushmore is the point where that's the portal that takes them back in time which is where the one ai that was holding out was at they go back and then humans have to join forces with people in the past kind of like the uh, what am i thinking of more like uh, not gladiator but more like there's a movie timeline we'll just borrow some stuff from that too and we'll have, you know, medieval forces trying to outsmart this technology that, that clearly doesn't have That is all I can anything. hear from what? you. Thank you, Mr. Uh, but they didn't have enough batteries, so anyway.
1: <laughs> My people uh. will call your people.
2: <laughs> and scene. Jump cut. All right, thanks, guys. That was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't
1: believe I picked that card as a no. <laughs> that that was a tough one and i'm excited for the mount everest terminator
2: <laughs> that's right rushmore everest i got confused i just started throwing things out there it's, at some fine, point. it's um, fine i
1: know what you meant i knew what you it it
2: doesn't it doesn't matter where it takes place it,
1: it, <laughs> it matters, matters when it when. takes place <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs>
1: well wonderful showing wonderful showing um next up yeah. we have chris waterman uh would you like to choose a plot or a character
0: plot for sure
1: okay it's interesting how people always have like a go to. I am I am a character girl myself. All right, your choices are: discovers a map leading to a legendary treasure hoard,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or choose a uh <laughs> okay a franchise pitch, which means you choose a plot previously pitched by another player. Your movie is a Broadway adaptation of their idea.
0: Oh my goodness! Or Awesome. Uh, <laughs> option three
1: <laughs> tries to save the world from the zombie apocalypse.
0: Okay. Gonna go zombies for sure.
1: Cool.
0: Love a good horror film. Matches right. well with other genres. Mm.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. I guess you can make anything a zombie movie if you want. Yes. All right. Uh, as soon as I finish reading your combined character and plot cards, I will start the timer. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. <laughs> the best hacker in the world tries to save the world from the zombie apocalypse.
0: Go. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this is going to be a franchise mashup because Neo from the Matrix in an alternate timeline is kept busy by the machines because a zombie outbreak happens inside of the Matrix. So picture Keanu Reeves at his computer. Shit starts going crazy outside, and he knows that somewhere in the deep, dark archives of the U.S. government, there must be information on zombie research or something, you know, super viruses. So he starts. Hold on,
1: hold on, hold on. I'm loving it so far, but I I have some obligations to my viewers. Uh, we, we need a steamy romance scene every 10 minutes, but it has to meet a PG-13 rating.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. We, we can make that work. We can make that work. Um, so yeah. Um, Trinity in this iteration of the matrix is like a total nympho, like has to have it like all the time. So his task is even harder by the fact that he's got to please. <laughs> trinity and also hack some some of the scenes are going to be him like you know just at his computer like implied thrusting going on while he's like hacking into the government database, trying to figure out what's going on and uh yeah um that's that's, that's, that's definitely time. thank you mr yeah.
1: waterman <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Um, nice. I feel like what you just pitched is definitely the porno version of. Like...
2: That's the softcore version. It's PG thirteen, so, um, and it's a trilogy, right? We're gonna do the trilogy, so <laughs>
1: yeah, that's that's Every the movie in the trilogy has a higher and higher rating. <laughs> like X that's...
2: is what we're going for <laughs> when we finish
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta raise yep. the stakes, baby.
1: I have more no moves, idea how to pick a dicks. winner. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, see, I would actually watch Will's movie, but Chris has made me laugh harder.
2: <laughs> it's okay. Like the AI respects your decision. And will not feel bad if you choose porno over its backstory to like <laughs> the human uprising or the machine uprising against humanity. It's okay. It it respects your decision.
1: You know what? Well, I'm gonna be like Robin Holiday and I'm gonna keep it classy and I'm gonna pick the movie I would actually see, which is your movie. So Noise
2: <laughs>
0: In your face, Neo.
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, never mind. I was gonna make a cross joke, but I won't do it. <laughs> We we have a rating it's a safe
1: to meet, space. Chris. <laughs> yeah, space. Exactly, exactly. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Awesome. Well, thank you both for playing. I I enjoyed that.
2: <laughs> yes, always, that was, always that was
1: awesome.
0: <laughs> well, let's uh, let's find out what we are watching on <laughs> next week's episode, shall we? Yes, please. Give them a good shuffle. Do a little draw. And it's the end of the world as we know it, and that's a copyright strike, probably. Oh, so.
1: you just got to auto tune the shit out of that so it doesn't. Sound yeah,
0: funny. yeah. Um, so this is going to be an apocalypse, uh flick. It is a crisp pick, and it's one that I've actually been dying to see because it's been all over my timeline, um, for like the last two weeks on Twitter. So we will be watching Mad Max: Fury Road. Which noise is
2: yes just
0: dynamite. Uh, i take it from your reactions you both seen it then huh
1: love it yeah i've God seen it multiple it. times
0: man what a what a movie it's been about 5 years so i am ready my blood is ready uh, my body is ready i should say not my blood my blood's ready too but
1: um... <laughs> your blood your blood boy <laughs> your blood, <bag. laughs> <My> blood.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, my only regret is i can't see this on the big screen again i saw this in imax and uh... oh. Nice. Like when it came out, and I oh, nice. you know, like just what a feast for the senses. Hard to believe. This is the same guy that made uh babe, you know. Um, and also like <laughs> okay. was I think like north of 80 when he directed this, George Miller. So um not gonna say anything range. more. He's yeah, range. definitely rage. <laughs> They're shooting Furiosa Furiosa right now, so I'm hoping that turns out well. Oh uh, nice. Um,
1: I didn't know nice. they were giving her a movie.
0: Yep, different actress playing Furiosa so it will not be oh. Charlize Theron, but it's somebody equally Boo. cool. Um, while you guys tell me what you think of this movie really quickly, I'll tell you who it is.
1: Um, I I loved it. Yeah, I thought uh Fur- Furiosa was awesome. I thought it was like good world building. I don't usually enjoy car chases, but this was like really intense and cool and I just, I don't know. I love how committed it was to having this unique aesthetic and to not really explaining anything.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things like you could watch this not having seen the previous three Mad Max movies and still like have an amazing time because it's all you need to know is like right there. And, you know, yeah. in in the movie. Um How about you, Will? I have to admit, I
2: have not seen the previous two Mad Max films before, which is kind of weird that I've seen, was it The Road Warriors, the first one, right? Is that correct? Second. yeah, It's the second one. All right, so I, I saw Mad Max, and I was like, this was not what I expected, but we all have to have an origin story somewhere, so at least this was like required viewing. I've seen bits and pieces of two and three, so I guess Road Warrior and Beyond Thunderdome. And going back and watching Thunderdome for Tina Turner has been like on the list of like, I need to do this at some point in my life, and I have not. And so at some point it will happen. But I was like, I so I I know like the vague idea of what Mad Max sort of evolves into. But then going and watching this one, I was like, wow, this is this is different and it's interesting, and it's not what some people may have thought it was going to be. That's okay. Cause I just had a great time regardless. So oh, the fact yeah, that it's I just one said... long car chase. Yeah, yeah,
1: basically. Um, also it's the only Mad Max I've seen just putting that out there. Noise. All, <laughs> yeah.
2: all good.
0: Uh, the road warrior is probably the, my second favorite after this one, the second one, um, Mad Max is all right. And beyond Thunderdome is great. Cause it's just got Tina Turner, but on uh, your Anya, Ta- Anya Taylor Joy is who's playing Furiosa in Oh, the
2: nice. Okay, sequel uh, that shooting. really?
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's also got Chris Hemsworth. I think it's a prequel, though, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so that's why. I mean, casting. I I
1: love Anya Taylor Joy, but I don't see her as Furiosa.
0: I guess we'll have to find out. I mean, it's yeah. got big big shoes to fill because man, Charlize is fucking killer in this, and the stories about her and Tom Hardy, like, uh, like kind of butting heads on the set are pretty fucking legendary too no, like no, she took no shit man Just great
1: i haven't heard so, those but i want to go read them now
0: <laughs> go read them yeah um so with that that's another episode in the bank uh thank you may for for an excellent pick this week really enjoyed it and thank you will for joining us for yet another episode of screen quest we will see you next week. You can find us on uh, social media at ScreenQuestPod. And of course, as always, I've included a link to the uh, submit, submission form for adding your own film suggestion. And uh, you can decide if you want to be a host or not. So keep those coming in. We had some inquiries on Twitter. Uh, again, right in the description box is where you should find this on YouTube and all your podcast services. But until next week, we love you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye, guys.